Welcome back to Road to Abundance, guys. So we have a special guest. His name is Andrew Cruzy, very successful coach, and now he's more turned into coaching men. We'll explain his path, but he was a multi-million dollar business in coaching. I had the privilege to do a podcast with him last week. So if you didn't watch it, make sure to press pause. Go watch it because now we're continuing. But on my podcast, we're going to vibe with him asking his story. Uh, he spent one month in an ashram learning about spirituality. And he spent one month with Monk. So tell us, man, what, what led you to spending two months of your life learning about spirituality, uh, quit your multi-million dollar business to start something else that I think is way more uh, the kind of work that you want to do and all that stuff. So tell us a little bit more about your story. For sure, man. Um, yeah, I spent a month with studying with monks at Deer Park Monastery in Escondido, California. Um, learned so much about uh, being present with myself, my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, and being aware of those in every moment, uh, or as much as we can be. Um, and then I spent another month in um, uh, Shivananda Ashram in upstate New York. Uh, studying with yogis for a month and I wish it was I wish it was a cooler reason but literally I just <laughs> burnt out from working so hard uh, both times where I was like I just need to get away um, but it, those two experiences helped me uh, really find balance again um, mm -hmm. and I think uh, nowadays everybody's just talking about go 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 force uh <laughs> just get it done and it's like when do our best ideas come to us when we're in, in the, the shower, shower when we're walking <laughs> like that's yeah. when the magic actually happens um and those two experiences really helped me come back into balance and now i do breath work every single day i meditate every single day i exercise every single day to put the space between the notes to make the music. Um, so just want to start off with that. I think <laughs> that's the biggest thing and life is always happening for us and mm -hmm. when we can find the meaning in life, even in the things that might feel shitty. Um, that's, yeah. where, that's where we actually create a symphony out of our life. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, with my story going back, I grew up uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, um, pretty low key childhood. Like, God bless my parents didn't have too much trauma coming from that. <laughs> Looking back now, I'm like, I'm so grateful for the parents I had. Um, but growing up in Ohio, Midwest, a lot of people with just very fixed mindsets, which is mm -hmm. which is fine for some people. Um, but uh, I struggled with that. I was I was super independent at a young age, um, just always wanted to do my own thing and carve my own path. Um and uh, when I was 18, the big change in my life happened, uh, broke up with a girl that I was absolutely in love with. Um, we went to college 14 hours apart. And when I said I broke up with the girl, she broke up with me. <laughs> so uh, just heartbreak when I uh, went off to college. Um, and looking back now, I can connect the dots and see how that led me to a pretty deep, dark depression for six years. Um, after, our uh, after our breakup, I just shoved down the emotions, um, drank too much, became a poly drug user, like addicted to Adderall, 
did cocaine a bunch, Molly a bunch, like all the drugs. Uh, joined a fraternity um, that took me down a bad path, drank four or five nights a week. Um, <laughs> and uh, just just partied way too much. Um, somehow I graduated, uh, got a sales job in Chicago, um, and just kind of hated my life for two years after college. Um, just doing sales, just being in that mindset of, I just need to climb the corporate ladder. Uh, and then one day, um, I woke up, I was tired of it. And, um, I read this poem by Will, uh, um, William Ernest Henley, um, uh, that's called Invictus. And the final two lines are, I'm master of my fate and captain of my soul. I don't know why it was just a moment of synchronicity and serendipity where that just stood out to me. And I'm like, I can do anything that I want in my life. Mm -hmm. I just need to take radical responsibility for my own life. Yeah. Um, so shortly after that, I set a goal to lose 20 pounds and to quit drinking in 90 days. Um, day 45, I broke down and cried in the shower. Um, don't know, like I had been suppressing my emotions for so long. I was finally starting to open up again. Uh, day 75, I looked down at the scale at the YMCA and I was 21 pounds lighter. And I just got filled with this emotion like, oh, my God, I'm doing it. Um, and then 15 days after that, I was 90 days sober. Um, and then it was like, wow, if I just put my mind to something and, and do it, um, I can create whatever I want out of my life. Yeah. Um, so I quit my uh, quit my job, um, bought a Ty Lopez course for social media marketing. Uh, it gave me the community that I needed, um, especially since I quit drinking and lost all my drinking friends. Like now I was surrounded by more <laughs> entrepreneurial friends. Um, and then I bought Dan Henry's course for, uh, for ad agency um, and started running Facebook ads for local businesses. Took about three months to get my first client. I was, uh, my friend invited me over for a bonfire and I was sitting next to her dad and her dad was like, Hey, what are you doing nowadays, Andrew? And I'm like, I'm running ads for local businesses. Mind you, I have never like had a client yet. He's like, Oh, I have a coffee shop. Can you run ads for me? And I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. He's like, how much do I need to pay you? And I'm like thousand bucks. He's like, okay. So that's how I got my first client. Um, and it was just, there were, were so many times during the first three months of my first business where I was just wanted to quit, but I was also excited from how much I was learning. And then there's always this point when we set our mind to something where it's like, oh, now all the fruits of, all, of the work that I put in are finally manifesting and coming mm -hmm. to life. So that was one of those moments. Um, Ran that for about a year and a half, um, got that up to 15K, 10, 15K per month, um, then opened up a Facebook group showing people how to get their first few clients. And then over the course of four years, ran a marketing coaching business called Tribe of Buyers, um, had a 35,000 person Facebook group, won the Two Comma Club Award three times, um, generated over a little over $5 million in that business. Then I burnt out. Um, then I went, sold the business, um, went on a journey of self-discovery, just traveling everywhere. Went to the ashram, went to went to Africa, went to uh, uh, went to Europe for a little bit, went to Central America. And the big lesson from that 
I was chasing money um, and I was mm-hmm. successful, but I wasn't fulfilled. And uh, meeting people in these low income communities and being in the Marrakesh market um, and talking to some of the shop owners that were dirt poor there, um, really all they have and what makes them so happy are three things. It's just community, connection, and purpose. They bring purpose to their work, no matter how menial it is. Um, They have a community of people around them that love and support them. And when they Mm -hmm. talk to you, they make eye contact, they're smiling, and they're genuinely curious, and they're just connected. Yeah, they're present. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So... That's awesome, man. So I noticed a few things that that did a major difference for you. Uh, People would be surprised that like, oh, $5 million business. uh, How come are you not happy? Why would you go depressed and all that stuff? But once you made money, you know that it's not this that will fulfill you. So I noticed a few things that you started doing um, for yourself. Sorry. (laughs) First thing you were doing is change your environment, then Mm -hmm. respect your word because respecting your word, you told yourself that you were going to lose 20 pounds and you did it and you quit drinking. Too many Mm -hmm. people promise themselves too many stuff. Like everybody know about the new year resolution that nobody keeps except the first month, especially I was in the fitness industry. It's like so hyped up gyms, membership are crushing it. But every time you lie to yourself and you don't respect the promise, then it's it's not working good for you. You're going the opposite way. So you did that. You change your circle. You did a lot of good thing. But then there was one thing that was like the reminder was you were still chasing money. Mm-hmm. And that is also it's like I can see that the people you're coaching in that industry, we're also chasing money. Mm-hmm. So then you surround yourself with people that are chasing money. You're chasing money. And there's a quote that somebody told me uh, a long time ago. It was like, whatever you're chasing is chasing you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can never catch it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you stay at a point and you attract it, that's how you're going to make it. So yeah, man, super stoked to hear the story. And I love that type of story because that's exactly the same work that I do. We do similar work. It's like mm-hmm. successful men that realize that, whoa, I'm not fulfilled. And, and like we talked about it on your podcast, like Tony Robbins is like success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, yeah, for sure. Because on top of it, you have no hope because you know that money doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people at the bottom of the payroll, not not because they make they don't make money that they're a bottom, but the bottom of the salary scale, they're like, when I'm going to make that money, I will feel this emotion. Mm-hmm. But we both know that it's not true. <laughs> yeah, uh, that fallacy. Um, money is great. It brings freedom and abundance. Mm. And I think there's a period in everybody's life that they need to go through yeah. um, to learn how money works and learn how to build out business systems and mm-hmm like get to that point. But if we're focusing on, Hey, this is bringing me freedom and abundance. That's okay. But if we're focused on money's going to make me happy or fill this hole in our life, like we went through uh, (laughs) every time uh, we're going to find out that person is going to find out that it doesn't, it's the people Mm -hmm. in our life um, and the impact that we can make on those people uh, that really makes this life fulfilling and worthwhile. Um, yeah, 
Money is just fucking made up. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tool. I, I prefer to be rich than broke every day. Like like you said, because it brings freedom and possibilities and you can do things. Like, let's say right now you want to buy a nice setup for podcasts. You can do it if you have money. You want to you wanna do this, you want to do that. It's like you can actually spend time doing things. And one thing I um, from that I wanted to add from your story is that the people, when you went in that poor country, it's like when I went to Bali, what you notice is just that people are present. They mm -hmm. are in the actual moment. Mm -hmm. And often when you're an entrepreneur, I remember my mom telling me like, uh, leave your cell phone. You're not present. Like you're here, but you're not here. And I was like, mom, I'm making money. Like, and life is happening while you're busy, mm -hmm. like chasing that money. And, and like you said, you're just busy. It doesn't mean you're productive because your best idea will come when you're in the shower, on a walk, meditation, doing your thing. And another major key thing, and that goes for a lot of men's because, um, we don't do that. And that's mm -hmm. why there's suicide and stuff is we don't open our emotion. Mm -hmm. So there's, masculine and feminine energy mm -hmm. and in order to be a man a real man you have to be hard you don't cry you don't do this you don't do that and if you have millions of dollars it's even harder now because why would you cry you're a millionaire so then yeah. it's like well people Dude, won't understand crying is dope <laughs> yeah. i love like now I, i didn't cry for six years and Now I do a lot of breath work and breath work facilitator. Yeah. It just moves the energy in my body. And when I cry, when I release and have that cathartic, just release, yeah. I show up way more powerfully for the people around me and they can actually feel me. I didn't cry for mm -hmm. six years. The people around me couldn't feel me, couldn't feel my emotions, couldn't feel my energy because it yeah. was all stuck. So I think it's important um, because we are feeling beings and feeling mm -hmm. into life is what makes it beautiful um and makes has made my life way more flowy i've been in way more of a flow state the more i've released the more i've let go of mm -hmm. and like on the other side of the coin it can be a trap i know some people that get addicted to just constantly releasing and it's like well you also have to put in the work and know like in like actually <laughs> that masculine side like yeah you have the feminine with meditation with mm -hmm. um uh, breath work, with breath and, work and, and releasing with, yeah, yeah just surrender letting go and then you have the masculine side with intention and action and that sort of stuff and it's the balance of both yeah yeah and i i, I was like that's that's a thing that when we get into spirituality because we were so much on the masculine then we become so much on the feminine side of like oh this feels so good and every time i do breath work i'll, I'll cry it's probably the only time in my life that i cry is when i do like very intense breath work mm -hmm. and same thing for you i facilitate it so people can connect really on a much deeper level with you and that's a trap that i was stuck for a little while that you feel just so good that then you you stop paying attention it's like it's like a, a balance scale you were so much on one hand of the scale mm -hmm. that now you went on the opposite to try to rebalance it but then you need to come back in the middle and be like okay i need this much masculine this much feminine i need to do action take action and manifest and and do the work and one thing that you do and i is the same for me is you have a me time and you do you before you do your business. So you start your day with making sure that Andrew is good in a good mental state. And then you attack the day. Yeah. I, 
I used to chug a cup of coffee, go straight into work, answer emails, answer, answer Slack messages. And I was just reactive to everything. Um, and now in the morning, um, the first <laughs> used to just be an hour and a half. Now it's like the first three hours of the morning. I don't answer any Slack messages. I'm not reactive to anything. I'm getting in my own rhythm. And I do two hours of deep work every morning where I'm just focused on the number one thing that's going to move my life or my business forward the most um, with no distractions whatsoever. And that's made me the most productive. If people can just find the two hours during their day where they have the most energy and focus and block that time out for the number one thing that they want to get done that day, people will be way more productive. So like what time you, you, you like you wake up at what time, then you spend like two, three hour on yourself, meaning workout, breath work, meditation, stretching, whatever, like cold bath, whatever you do, tell us. And then, then you, two hour of your, like eating a frog, you do the, the task that is the most important. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that not every day is the same. There's some mm -hmm. days I wake up and I don't, I don't feel good. So I know I want to, I, I want to work out more. I want to do more breath work. I want to do more meditation that day to get my energy in alignment. So there are some days that are different, but my, my ideal day, um, is I wake up, I do 25, three rounds, 25 breaths of breath work. Um, then I do 10 minutes of meditation. Um, then, uh, I do 30 minutes of thinking time where literally I'm just looking out at the view in Miami here and just whatever comes to mind is exactly what's supposed to come to mind. And then I have a little journal and I write down anything that I want to, want to remember. Um, and then I do morning intentions and evening reflections. So in the morning I ask myself, how's my mental energy? How's my emotional energy? How's my, uh, physical energy? Um, and then I rate that. Um, and then I ask myself, what am I grateful for? Sometimes it's just a couple things. Sometimes it's a long list. And then what are the three things that I desire to get done today? Um, I like using the word desire instead of the word need. Need, um, yeah. Because I don't want to be in a needy state. So You want to do, do it. Like yeah, with pleasure. exactly. Something that lights my heart up more than being heady and need, need, need and scarcity and all that. Um, and words, I've found words are very important over past <laughs> um, especially what we're saying to ourselves yeah um but then from uh eight to ten o'clock those are my two hours where i have the most focus and energy um and uh i get the number one thing done um so i uh outline my projects and my goals on a quarterly basis and then i reflect on them on a monthly basis if things need to change And then from my projects, I outline all the tasks that I need to get done to complete those projects. It's like sharpening the ax before cutting down a tree. And I didn't do it enough. And I think people aren't doing it enough where they're not thinking about what they actually want, planning ahead and outlining all the mm -hmm. tasks. Because that makes it super easy during those two hours where I'm just like, oh, this is a part of one of the projects. This is what I want to get done during this two hours is what we'll move. Yeah. Through. So you can, but most people don't, don't do it. It's yeah. reverse engineering. So you go like what I want to accomplish for the year. Then you divide it in four months. Then you take monthly goal. And then 
weekly and then it's like okay what actions do i need to take this week and then you're like okay today those are the action of the two hour and then you know that combine on the timeline will lead to your long-term goal which long-term it's not really long-term it's four months one year yeah exactly and um i i had a vision for my business uh in my last business but i didn't have a vision for my life so over the past <laughs> year and a half i've optimized my life vision and then what i do from there is i take my life vision and i set an annual vision of like, what is my year going to look like? Um, then every quarter I set my goals for the quarter and what projects might be tied to those goals. And then each month I look at, um, do I need to change some of those goals or those projects mm -hmm. based on things just happening? Um, and then on a daily basis, um, I just rock out those tasks for those projects and I track my goal pro progress. Um, and it, it exactly what you said, it's just working backwards. Um, and then it, it's pretty simple from there. So that's what, what is, I, uh, what is your what? life? What is your life vision? Like, so before you didn't do it, now you're doing it. So tell us what's your life vision for the next year and how does it affect your life compared to when you didn't have a vision and you only were driven by business? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was only driven by business, it was just all task focused, all just like, it stressed me out, really looking back, being in it. I'm like, oh, this just is how it is. But now that I think more about the relationships in my life um, and more about like the travels I want to go on um, and more about the experiences I want to have instead of just business, um, <laughs> it it just lights us lights me up way more. I just feel yeah. better. Um, so over the next year, I'm going to go to Japan, uh, traveling cool. to Japan, going back to Mexico City, going back to Tamarindo, Costa Rica. Um, uh, for my 31st birthday, I'm going to go to uh, Madrid, Spain. Uh, what is your birthday? Uh, October 24th. So I just had my 30th birthday with my soul family, the 12 people in my life that light my soul up the most in Miami. And we're going to do it again in Madrid next year. You're um, a Scorpio, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just barely. <laughs> just um, barely. Just, yeah. just a obsessive worker, barely. No, just, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's the no. uh, same birthday as Drake. So I've got that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, for my annual vision, it's the travels I want to go on. It's the people that I want to connect with. It's the experiences I want to have. Mm -hmm. I've never jumped out of an airplane. I want to do that. Skydiving. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so those things, um, and it just lights me up way more than just having a business vision yeah. is super important. We have a business vision for masters of fate, but, uh, so you focus on, emotion experience and you also see yourself growing and you see like all those things happening so a lot of people focus on the vision for the business like you said like okay i want to have this this business at five hundred thousand or a million dollar but if the human that is driving the business is not evolving um at one point it's gonna crash and you lived it because you yeah. had a multi-million dollar business and not only that it's like let let's let's talk about millions of dollars so 
what what the fuck is wrong with, with, with the million dollar? Like people have this thing and we're a million, a million, a million. And I'm just like, where does that came from? And, and, and why are people so stuck with that million? Cause I remember when I was broke, I was like, I want a million dollar. Cause what you want is the lifestyle that you think you're going to get having a million dollar. Mm. And you're also a living proof that being a million, a millionaire and having that million dollar, well, multi-million dollar business is not what you thought when you didn't have it. If you mm. didn't evolve as a human with the business, like, mm. So the conception and the emotion and everything you thought was associated with the million dollar was not there when you reached it. Mm -hmm. Is is that how you felt? Yeah. Uh, when we hit our first million, nothing changed. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> another coffee? <laughs> yeah, another fucking coffee. How Bring me a monster. This month, you know? <laughs> um, mm. But I, I think it's just we're all programmed to think that way. Um, I think it's good to have that goal. Um, I, if that's really what will light your soul up, but it's super important to have other goals that are more feeling based as well. Um, and there's a really good book, um, the great work of your life by Stephen Cope. Um, I think if everybody should read it, but especially if people are like, think that something is missing in their life, mm -hmm. this is the perfect book for them. Talks all about Dharma Um, and what we were actually put on this earth to do. It's like to find our blueprint and what we were actually put on this earth to do is the most important mm -hmm. endeavor anybody can go on. Um, and I'm rereading it for my third time um, right now. And my Dharma has kind of changed. Um, so I love data and analytics. It was not that way uh, three years ago. Um, mm -hmm. and the book gets you to think about what in your childhood lit you up the most. Yeah. And I was thinking back to it and I was like, oh, I used to always buy baseball cards and look at the stats on the back and project what they were going to do all <laughs> year. I'm like, holy shit, that is a part of my Dharma. What I was put on this earth to do is to, um, boil things down to their simplest elements, to the data, to the statistics, to make it predictable. Um, and that's kind of what I'm doing with the, the brothers now is we have dashboards, we have data, we have analytics for our businesses, for our relationships and for ourselves so that we can make life a little bit more predictable of why we're feeling the way that we're feeling, why mm -hmm. we're getting the results that we're getting. Um, so, uh, looking at our Dharma and what we're actually really good at and what lit us up as kids Um, and setting goals around that and the actions are more important than the destination. What actions really light me up? Because if we just focus on our actions that really light us up, we're going to get so much further than just setting a monetary goal and taking on mm -hmm. a fucking agency business. And any agency owners are out there. Uh, first off, I'm sorry. Uh, and second off, um, I don't mean any disrespect. Um, but everybody I talk to that go into, goes into the agency world, me included back in the day, fucking hates their lives. So mm -hmm. looking more at our Dharma, what really lights us up and attaching our mm -hmm. attach our, uh, uh, our actions towards that is really where yeah. we make the biggest impact on this world. Yeah. And I, I, I think that the successful from the people that I know um, that are successful in the agency business and stuff like that, a lot of them 
they actually didn't really evolve as human. They became smart, business smart, mm -hmm. and they made money kind of fast because mm -hmm. they were good with what they're doing. And then um, they forgot to take care of the human part. And, mm -hmm. and then it's like, okay, I got all this money. Mm -hmm. I'm doing work that I don't enjoy and I don't know how to fix it. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'll just, but once you tasted money, you don't want to go broke. Yeah. And then you have a name and then you're, you're, you're this guy and you're rich. And then you're like, okay, so what do I do? And that, that's a big problem. It's like, people should, like you said, and your purpose can change like your Dharma, whatever mm -hmm. the word you want to use, it can change. And people are sometimes too afraid to be like, that's my purpose. But what if it was not, but is the same as a yeah. relationship is the same as a girlfriend. When you get with her, you don't know if she's going to be the last one. Mm -hmm. And if you think forever, bro, you're going to be stressed the fuck out. You'll be like, wow, forever, like chill. Like, bro, <laughs> get to know the person, enjoy the time, be in the present moment, and it will last as long as it will last. Mm -hmm. And if you treat it like it's the beginning, and if you treat it the right way, the relationship will last and your purpose will last until you change as a person and you decide that. Hey, um, I want to do something else. And mm -hmm. it was funny because I was watching a video about Tony Robin <clears throat> and he was saying something about that. Like he was like, Oh, I used to be driven by number and we want to help this, 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 this. And now he's like, now it's stressing me out. I just go and I tell God, it can be consciousness, whatever word you want to use guys. Don't get fixated on word. It can be God, whatever that does his work through me for consciousness and that everybody that I meet or everybody that I impact, I want to do it a hundred percent. And I think that's very powerful. And if you're always thinking about numbers and stuff, numbers, they're unlimited. They're never mm -hmm. going to stop. So you'll always be chasing the next number. Cause like you said, the first time you did a million dollar, um, it didn't change. And I remember when I, when I, started like having a hundred thousand of a bank account. Then I was like, okay, 200,000, then 300,000 and 400,000. And then, and then you don't want it to go down. And then you become like weird with that stuff. And it's like a number, but, and I had a friend that did the same thing and I warned him about it. I was like, mm -hmm. bro, be careful. And how, how I did it to break my pattern is I took, like, I remember when I had like 400,000 in the bank, I took 200,000 and invested it in something. I was like, I need to break that shit now. Mm. Like something is not mentally like I, now I'm scared. And if I became successful is from not being scared and taking action. Mm -hmm. So it's like you said, um, it's cool to use the data, but don't let the data use you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be a great place to start. But if we <laughs> live in just like what our bank account number is, it will drive <laughs> us fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite quotes that I brought up earlier is that's the space between the notes that make music. Yeah. And I remember in my last business, I was just overthinking everything. I would sit down behind my computer and think, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. And no good thoughts or <laughs> change in direction like came to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's super important for anybody out there that is feeling burnt out stressed out, um, just feel like they're overthinking to put the space between the notes. 
to do a heavy breath work session. You can to go take into shroom. The, the pause breath work <laughs> app. Yeah, go onto the pause breath work app. It's made by Sam Skelly, one of my good friends. It's my favorite app to use. You can do a 25-minute, 45-minute breath work session. What that does is you're bringing in more um, CO2 into your system that shuts off part of the prefrontal mm -hmm. cortex yeah. so you feel more into your body and into your heart. And what's crazy is my best ideas come to me during breath work because mm -hmm. I put that space between the notes. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that's super important to note. Uh, just the less I think and the more I feel, uh, the the more beautiful life is and the more mm -hmm. I connect with people and the yeah. more fulfilled I am. The and more download you can get, like, because you're yeah. more present. And one thing I want to tell people that are listening, because obviously – we're both breathwork teacher, so we know how it works. But one thing I want to say about the uh, the front um, lobe cortex, yeah, uh, that you said, guys, it takes ten to fifteen minutes to deactivate it. So a lot of people are like, "I'm not good with meditation." Blah blah. blah. Yeah, of course, because you didn't even give time to your your thinking mind, your front uh, lobe, to mm -hmm. deactivate. Mm -hmm. So. I know that in your routine, you can do breath work and then you meditate for 10 minutes. So that's one point I want to tell people. The reason why Andrew is able to meditate only 10 minutes and have a powerful session mm -hmm. is because he already deactivated the thinking mind in the breath work. And normally when I facilitate breath work, let's say most of the time I do 30 minute session with people because you need 15 minutes of just being in your download and in your gut and like the just pure energy. And the first 15 minutes is like, I'm going to do that for a long time. Fuck, mm -hmm. this sucks. <laughs> it's, like, it's like all the emotion. <laughs> yeah. And um, you can actually get there faster uh, if, and I'm sure you've had this experience where I've done hour and a half, two hour long uh, meditation sessions. Some people have done the, if you go to a Vipassana and do it for 10 days and do that. I did a five hour, I think four hour and a half. Jesus, that's awesome. Because like when we do those longer sessions, then we can get to that point of presence sooner in the shorter session. So that's mm -hmm. why I can do a 10 minute session. And then usually the monkey mind goes crazy for the first three minutes for me. And then I'm like, whoa, I'm present. And I'm aware yeah. of my breath and I'm aware of everything. And right someday, now. someday is harder. Someday yeah. I get in in one minute and someday it depends where, I feel it depends where your mind is when you, when you start and, and, and even us, it's, it's important that people realize that we've been doing meditation and breath work for a while. Um, and even us, some days it's taking longer. Like yeah. someday, bro, my fucking mind doesn't want to shut it. Like I'm yeah. like, and then I'm, I'm like, you know what I need? If this happened, what I do is I go do a workout or I do something. I break the mm -hmm. pattern. I change my emotional state. And then I go back to meditation because sometime instead of just quitting, it's like if your business was not working the first time, would you quit on yourself? No. Yeah, dude. Uh, great point. Because there are sometimes I'll do a twenty-minute session and I'll be thinking <laughs> the whole fucking time, and, and like that's okay. I, I think to myself, like this is when I want it most. Is yeah. those times where I am overthinking because I know that's when it's bringing the most benefits. To yeah. Slow down. Um, another thing that I want to bring up that has really helped my life is I, I just stopped rushing things like life isn't short. So it's the longest thing we've ever done and the longest thing we ever will do. Yeah. Like, holy shit. When we tap into that energetic frequency, if we want to call it that 
of yeah. just not rushing and letting things come to mm-hmm. us. Like, be, like not rushing our relationship, not rushing our, no, sometimes we can just like rush in our business and do a sprint for a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but not rushing our relationships, not rushing our business all the time. Um, and all of that stuff, just life isn't short. It's the longest thing we've ever done. Longest thing. Yeah, man. And it's funny that you say that because I was just driving from the gym before the podcast and I'm with my girlfriend and she's just telling me in the car, she's like, it's crazy how people think you're old when you're 30. And cause she's 25, I'm 31. And we're just thinking like, Hey, even at 31 guys, you still have like, let's say you live to 90 years old, which I'm sure with all the stem cell and everything that is coming could hit a hundred easy, especially if you take care of your body and your mind, because what drives people to die faster is when they get sick and it's, it's not most, it's always related to energy and emotion and everything Mm -hmm. that you didn't it's like energy gets stagnant and it, it builds up and it destroys because your body's giving you alert that you don't listen to. And people are rushed. And we were talking about that on your podcast. Like that was my mistake when I was young. I was so rushed. Mm-hmm. Like think about Grant Cardone, did nothing good <laughs> out of prison. I think at 35, 38, yeah. 40 started his business. Now he's 55, five, five billion dollar company. Um, yeah. Like, you have so much to live for. And I think people think that because you retire at supposedly 60 or whatever. And most of people that think that life is short is because they're like, when I'm 40, 50, I cannot do nothing and I don't have money and I'm not young anymore. But bro, would you go back to 20 years old for myself? I know I wouldn't. And I can't wait to be 40 in terms of maturity and where I'll be in my life. Dude, me too. Like having a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. And each year gets fucking better. Like I feel way more wise. I feel way more connected to people. I feel I have way more understanding of what this Mm -hmm. life is about, what my life is about. I'm stoked for my 50s and 60s. Yeah, man. 70s and 80s and 90s. We're we're just early because every book, every big book about men says that men eat eat their prime around 50. And 40 start, but 50 is your prime because you stop thinking about being rushed. You understood it's half of your life, kind of. You understood that there's no rush. And then you're not as sexually driven of always hitting the next girl. And you're more like fulfilled and purposeful. And that's where if you get it earlier and that's both Mm -hmm. our work, we want to teach men earlier because why would you, and I have goosebumps saying it, uh, why would you wait 20, 30 years, bro, to hit that prime when you can do it at 30 while you're fucking young and still Mm -hmm. like a stallion. So man, it's powerful. And for the people out there that are looking to make a change, what I would recommend is look at it in the rules of three. This is advice that my dad gave me uh, (laughs) at a young age, and it was for quitting cigarettes for him. Um, But it's been really helpful to my own life, where if I'm looking to start something new, I look at it uh, as the first three days, do it for the first three days, then the first three weeks then the first mm-hmm. three months and then the first three years. Yeah. And that has helped me in so many areas of life where, um, where, okay, I'm focused on growing my coaching business. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to focus on like focused work for the first three days. 
then focused work for the first three weeks, then focused work for the first three months, and then focused work for the first three years, and I'm committed to it. Um, yeah. Chunking it up like that has helped my life so much to make changes in my own life mm-hmm. um, or going to the gym. And if people are struggling going to the gym, my biggest <laughs> recommendation, you probably know this too, Mike, is um, and is just going. To going. The gym. Like with no agenda, you can lay down on the mat and just like lay there. Um, but getting into the habit of just going to mm-hmm. the gym for the first three and- days. And things will change in the next three weeks and then the next three yeah. months, next three years. Yeah. And it's it's very similar to the one more by Ed Milet, that which he has a book on. It's like one more day. You want to quit? Do one more day not smoking. Do one mm. more day of hustle. One more day of the gym. Mm. And it's funny that you talk about the gym like that because if you would look at my story. So guys, we are 12.55 right now. It's the 16th of November when we record this. And that same exact day, I was at the gym right before the podcast and I make a story and I'm like, guys, I don't feel like going to the gym. And that's why I brought my ass to the gym because I was in this chair and my energy was not where I wanted it to be. I was like tired and I'm like, why am I tired? I'm not tired. My mind has something. So I was like, I want to feel and I want to show up at my best for the uh, podcast with Andrew. Cause I like to give you my best energy. So I was like, let me get my ass to the gym. I'm going to do a workout. I'm going to do the best workout. I'll show up a hundred percent that I can for today, which was an amazing workout. Honestly, I did back with, I had my headset. It was fucking good. And it was exactly saying that the worst part is showing up. Once you're at the gym, you're going to do something like whatever, <laughs> but you're going to do something. So yeah. yeah. Just let momentum take over in every area of our life. It's just getting started and then momentum takes over. And then we're like, like for me, with Tribe of Buyers growing that business, mm-hmm. hardest part was getting started. And then I look back five years later, I'm like, holy shit, momentum took over in, <laughs> in one way. It was great growing that business. Not yeah. that I didn't fucking burn out, but momentum took over. I didn't think yeah. I could build a multi-million dollar business mm-hmm. um, because I hadn't done it before. And then yeah. I just let momentum take over. And then it was like, holy shit, I did it. You know? Yeah. Uh, and two things I get out from, from this, from you is first, uh, even if it was what people would call a failure because you went to burnout, first, it gave you knowledge and, and power for this business, Master of Fate, that now mm-hmm. you know how to build a multi-million dollar business. And second thing, you wouldn't have created Master of Faith. If everything was rolling with the business, you were happy, you would probably still be in the industry. So a lot of people, that that's one of the things that I want to ask you. It's, it leads to my question is, mm-hmm. how a failure or something you perceived as a failure, because nothing is ever a failure. Like you said at the beginning, life happened for you. You just got to know what is the lesson that I have to learn here. So what is like a failure that turns out to be the best thing for you? Dude, I've been through so much shit, <laughs> like going through heartbreak when I was 18, being depressed for six years, um, failing at a couple businesses uh, and um, burning out multiple times. <laughs> and just looking back at all that and being like, I'm so happy and proud of where I'm at right now mm-hmm. that all of those things happened for me. Um And it's so hard to see it when we first go through our first three Mm -hmm. experiences of complete shit. And you're like, oh, why Mm -hmm. do I feel this way? And some people get stuck there. Um, But if we can be constantly reminding ourselves that this is happening for me, it it allows us to find meaning in the shit experiences. 
And it doesn't even need to be true. I find it to be true. But if we just tell ourselves that everything is happening for me, life is happening Mm -hmm. for me, we find the meaning in life, which is Mm -hmm. the most important thing. You've gone to um, landmark their whole thing is life is empty and meaningless. We are the meaning making machines. And the more meaning I make out of life, the more beautiful it becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, just like right before this podcast, like um, uh, the the internet was a little wonky and like you <laughs> went out for a second. And then I asked myself, why is this happening for me? I looked myself in the, the camera and I was like, shit, I have bags under my eyes. So I went to the went to the bathroom and put <laughs> the cream under my eyes so I didn't have bags. So now I look fucking beautiful. Ah, um, that's good. With a fresh haircut, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like little things, whenever little things pop up, I'm always mm-hmm. like, okay, why is this happening for me? And then my brain finds a reason for it. Um, and it makes life so much more beautiful. Yeah. Because yeah. you always have two choices. You can either look for the empty glass or the full glass. So your mentality is just, okay, this is my glass that I have right now. Why is it half empty? And us, we see it as, oh, it's half full. Like, what? Mm-hmm. how can I fill the other half? Like, wow, it's already half done. Like, it's like life is happening. And it's, I think the free will in this planet is just how you react to things. Like my philosophy on life, and you can give me yours, is like mm-hmm. life is happening. You, I believe that you choose, you have a path, you do things, and then your free will is how you're going to react to things and how you're going to let it affect your life. And that's why it's like, let's say this is my office. It's full of food. I can decide what I'm going to eat first, what I'm going to do. But at the end, I need to finish that table. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't, then I didn't succeed. But it's like how do I react? Oh, pizza. Oh, sushi. And, and then it's like how I bounce in between stuff. Dude, pizza and sushi are so good. I'm hungry <laughs> right now. So I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, I do totally agree. The only freedom we truly have is the freedom to choose what mm-hmm. we want. Um, but my issue was I was so depressed and stressed that I limited my ability to make the choices from my heart and what I actually wanted. Um, And knowing now that I was depressed for six years because I was addicted to drugs and uh, alcohol, which raised my baseline of dopamine, which basically it was like, I want to be happy, but I was raising my baseline of dopamine. So chemically, it was almost impossible for me to be happy. Like, but then when I quit drinking and started working out, my baseline of dopamine lowered. So I just needed to do that. And then mm-hmm. I could actually be happy and connect. Um, <laughs> and uh, then putting meditation and breath work and exercise on top of that, where I could put space between my thoughts Mm-hmm. So I was more aware of my thoughts so I could finally choose what I wanted in each moment and in the macro scale. Um, that's where I achieved more freedom. So it just comes down to managing our energy in life and being aware of our thoughts, our feelings, yeah. and our actions, and then choosing what we actually want. 
Like it's like also, controlling the monkey mind. Like instead of letting it drive the car, now you're driving and sh- the monkey mind is on the passenger seat and you're like, I, I hear you, but I'm deciding where we're going. Yeah. And people might be wondering, like, how do I do that? And it's just like remaining consistent with breathwork meditation exercise. Mm-hmm. And if you do that every day, it's going to happen where you're just more aware of your thoughts and you can choose um, yeah. And then from moment to moment, like throughout this interview, most of the time, I'm not even thinking. I'm just breathing in peace and breathing out love and focusing mm-hmm. on my breath so I can be more present and aware. And then whatever comes out of my mouth is exactly what's supposed to come out of my mouth like yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think that's being taught enough in society where it's just for me, I was a psychology major in college and it was all about the brain and always about thinking. And now I found it's like, no, just don't think as much. Yeah. Like, just, just focus on the physical sensations mm-hmm. and tap into that. So I think that's what life is about. Um, uh, f- letting our Dharma come to us, discovering what we were put on this earth to do mm-hmm. and it can change over time. Um, and then just being present and, mm-hmm. uh, being aware of our thoughts, our feelings and our actions and asking, yeah. what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I doing right now? Mm-hmm. What do I want to be thinking? What do I want to be feeling? What do I want to be doing right now? Yeah. The more I do that, it's amazing. Um, and, uh, then just building skill sets. The only distance between where we're at and who we're meant to become are the skill sets mm-hmm. that we're building. So identifying yeah. the skill sets that we want and say we want to be good at influence um, and getting a sales job or something like that. Um, and then uh, getting the right mentors, getting the right books, getting the right mm-hmm. videos, the right courses around us. Yeah. So we're getting different inputs. So we get different outputs. And then we. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Time. No, I, f- I feel you on that. Like always like repetition and practicing not to listen to the thinking mind and a lot of people overthink they the first thing that will come to your gut when your like heart and minds are connected the first thing that comes is the truth then it's just your mind trying to all your fears so let's say you'll be like oh i need to start this business oh but what if i don't have money i need money i need an investor oh i'm gonna do and then all the excuses that you hear after is all your limiting belief. But the first thing that you taught was the good thing and super important to reconnect with yourself and go with your gut feeling. And another thing I wanted to add on to the addiction, because everybody has addiction. If you're, if, if you're, if you're having sex with a bunch of random people and shit like that, that was my addiction. It's, it's still an addiction. It's not because it's not alcohol and drug like if you're eating food and you're, and you're fat and you're overweight, it's an addiction. And there's one thing, um, about drug and alcohol. Um, cause a lot of people drink nowadays and, and it, it's, it's so weird. Like you go out, I've, I didn't, I don't really drink for the last seven, eight years. Sometimes I have a, a glass of wine and stuff, but most of the time I, I don't drink and, and people, Oh, you don't drink. Cause it makes them feel bad about themselves. Oh, have a drink. And it's like, you almost have to tell them that you're an AA just so they leave you alone. Like people are weird and you have to get good at saying no. That's the first thing, but alcohol and drug. Why I wanted to say is, I don't know if you ever read the book power versus force. Dude, I love that book. Yeah. So scale of consciousness. So alcohol and and drugs, they vibrate 
maybe uh, MDMA vibrates even higher than 350 just because of the, the whole release, but they vibrate at 350. So if you're living your life on competition, anger, jealousy, and all that stuff, you're below 200. So when you drink and when you do those things, you're feeling empowered, you're feeling good, and you, that's the addiction. And then that's because your brain will associate good feeling that you're numbing everything and you're on that vibration when you're addicted. And us, let's say when you meditate, when you do all that, if you're grateful, really grateful, I'm not bullshitting, you're really grateful and we do it every day. I even released a journal for it. It vibrates higher than five, six, seven hundred. Mm -hmm. So when I drink, I actually feel like, wow, that's weird. It's like I feel the drop in the frequency and it's okay. Sometimes you want to have fun and stuff. And one thing, um, talking about drug, I don't want to incite nobody to do drugs and stuff, but psilocybin, there's a lot of study that if you have a problem, if you can't connect to your heart and stuff like that, and you really need to go deep, you should try mushroom for sure. Like psilocybin is, is I, I preach for it. Um, if it's yeah. done in an environment of meditation and, and, uh, going deep inside. Yeah, I, um, I definitely would do it in a controlled setting, but psilocybin has, helped me get out of burnout and depression a couple times um, where I did the Stamets protocol, um, microdosing two days on, one day off. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that for a month a couple times. But yeah, um, mushrooms can be great. Um, I know pe some people who have done it uh, recreationally and it's kind of fucked them up a little bit. Um, <laughs> but so doing it in a controlled setting. Yeah. Um, do it for the right reason because if you don't, it's going to show you things that you're not ready for. Remember that it's, 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 it's a plant and it's made to reconnect you with the real thing. So if you're not ready and it's not in the right setting, you might not like what you're going to see. Yeah. And you could microdose too. Uh, yeah. But it, that's been super powerful. I've never done a macrodose of uh, psilocybin yet. I'm waiting for it to call me. I think the next big human evolution is going to come through uh, psilocybin and LSD. I can call you after the podcast, bro. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> may, maybe. Oh, uh, if I feel that little body nudge, fuck yeah. <laughs> but I I am... Fa uh, can we go on the topic of drugs if you still have time? Yeah, yeah, yeah oh let's go. Oh my God. Uh, fascinating shit. Um, I, I have the firm belief that drugs have... Uh, helped us evolve as humans and also whatever the opposite of evolution is de-evolve. Um, so there's a direct correlation and I'm including caffeine in drugs. It's mind altering. Oh, it's one of the worst because people think caffeine and sugar, people think it's not a drug. It's like sex. Oh, it's not. Yeah, fuck bro. It's fucking you up. Yeah, exactly. And, and I still drink coffee and I still enjoy coffee on a daily basis, but definitely not as much as I was in my last business. And there are some benefits to it as well. And actually people who drink caffeine on a regular basis live two years longer on average, which is weird, but uh, just what's <laughs> Um But there's a direct correlation between, and this is out of the book, Michael Pollan's book, Caffeine. Um, where there's a direct correlation between how much tea was shipped and consumed in the West and us being during the Renaissance. Um, and that's because caffeine is, or uh, uh, tea um, has the caffeine 
that moves the brain and forward thinking and taps in the masculine, but also L-theanine that brings us down uh, in a good mm-hmm. way, grounds us um, and is more in the feminine, more in the body. So more mm-hmm. the Renaissance, more the art. And then there's a direct correlation between how much coffee was shipped and consumed in the West um, and us moving to the industrial age of us just like thinking, going, doing, everything has to be done. Like no wonder our society is the way that we're, mm-hmm. it is. We're all drinking coffee. We're all hopped up on stimulants, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so that's super interesting. And then did you know Hitler was a meth addict? No, <laughs> that's crazy. Is meth, cocaine, some other drugs. Uh, I, I mean, I don't doubt it. <laughs> this is fucking fascinating. So 1936, and there's this book called Blitzed uh, that talks all about this. 1936, Berlin hosts the uh, Olympics. Uh, the U.S. cleans up. Turns out most of the uh, athletes are on a form of methamphetamine uh, to enhance their performance. Um, also, John F. Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe were known for taking this drug uh, as well. It was considered a mood booster back in the day, not a drug. And Nazi Germany was so against drugs, but they uh, got a German scientist to create their own formula because the uh, athletes at the mm-hmm. uh, Olympics cleaned up and they were like, we need our own. So this German scientist created a uh, uh, pill called pervitin, which was a form of methamphetamine. It was an (laughs) over-the-counter mood booster, they called it. So most of Nazi Germany was hopped up on this mood booster, a form of methamphetamine called pervitin. So no wonder they follow this crazy guy who was also (laughs) addicted to this shit. Oh my God. Why uh, they used to do their blitzkriegs and fight for three days without sleeping. How could they do that? Their soldiers were on pervitin. So they won the first half of the war. But what happens with drugs, you take it for a longer period of time, then it starts going down and we're addicted to it. And uh, yeah. we need more of it. So uh, you can see videos of Hitler shaking in 1944 um, from withdrawals from drugs, because when the Allied powers cut off some of the access to some of the supplies going into Nazi Germany, they cut off the supply to pervitin, so they took it off their shelf. Uh, morale around the war started to wane. Uh, Hitler started making terrible decisions, like going into the Soviet Union um, and attacking them on on the Eastern Front. Uh, and then they didn't have enough pervitin to do their blitzkriegs um, and to fight over in Soviet Union. And they lost. So it's it's fascinating how drugs have shaped this world yeah. in its entirety. Um, and then and one the, thing, uh, yeah. No, one thing I want to say about. So I did a lot of study. I, like like a lot of people know, I'm, I'm I've been in the health industry for 15 years. So um, there's no difference in caffeine between tea and coffee. Like you said, the only thing that is beneficial is that, that the tea has more good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. So people should consume it. And a lot of people think that coffee is waking them up, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to give you a little rundown guys, how coffee work. And when I learned this, I was shocked. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. This is bad. So your body is a perfect machine. Okay. And coffee. So you have an hormone that is your sleeping hormone. Okay. Me- and melatonin. It- uh, I'm not it sure exactly it's melatonin. Uh, I don't want to say the wrong term. So I'll just say the hormone and there's holes. Okay. 
And let's say there's five holes and your hormones will come and, and sit in the hole. And it's telling you that, Hey, I'm tired. You need to rest. Right. And stress and all that stuff can, can actually mess up with all that. So of course, society is very stressed. So people are taking, taking coffee, thinking it's going to wake them up. But what it does is that when your hormones arrive, the seats, the hole are already taken by coffee. So then you're like, Oh, I'm not tired. There's no space to be tired. You get it. And, but what does your body will do? It will produce more holes because it needs because you cannot have all those sleeping hormones just floating around. They need to find a hole. So over a month, there's 10 hole. So what do you do? You drink coffee for five hole. You're still feeling tired. You drink more coffee because you want to fill all the hole. And then your body is like, hmm, let's make 20 holes. And then it's just never ending. Okay. And the problem is the day that you don't take coffee, that's why the morning that you don't take your coffee, you feel so tired because now instead of having your five normal hole that the, the hormones come and sit and makes you tired, you have 20. So imagine the crash that you get. It's like, oh shit, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm brain fog. I'm, yeah, because you were not supposed to mess up with your hormones and, and, and tell your body that, oh no, no, we, we need more. We need more and more. So yeah, caffeine should be regulated like caffeine it's killing people like it's literally like you're waking up in the morning and a tiger is chasing you that's what it does to your body that's the kick of the nerve kick and all that stuff that it does to your body so yes the the um, caffeine itself like the ingredient that would be good in it and that would be beneficial for your health is true but all the downside is is there and that's why people don't use it good they don't even hydrate before they take coffee they don't eat you want to take a coffee take it at 11 or 12 when it's been a few hours you're up middle of the day and normally when i have my crash one hour one hour and a half two hour later little nap i wake up fresh cold bath start the day again yeah that's so important uh uh caffeine modulation um and one thing that i do i never drink caffeine after 2 p.m um, yeah. because it has an eight hour half-life and still mm-hmm. in our system, uh, yeah. at night if we drink it later than that. Um, so just having a cutoff time is super yeah. important. And I, I think the important thing for that is I used to think that I just need to be go, go, go. I need to be on all the time, but what are the most, what do the best athletes in the world do? What are the best like high performers do? they rest harder than anybody else. They yeah. are so good at turning off their brain or like for the athlete going into the ice bath and mm-hmm. uh, taking care of their muscles. They're just resting harder than anybody else. Yeah. So one thing that's really helped for me is like for you taking the nap when you're off, you're off, right? Um, yeah. When you're low energy, just be low energy. Um, and that will make us more productive and high performing in the moments when we need to be on, yeah. when we want to be on. So, it, and that's true like, for everything. Cause when I was competing for Mr. Canada and all that stuff back in the day, I was for Mr. Canada. Yeah. yeah I, I, did, dope. <laughs> I did a few competitions back then, but the thing is, um, I was injured everywhere. And that's the same thing with coffee. Well, keeps you going. And of course the steroids and all that stuff. And, and, and my body was bleeding, bro. I was so bad. Like my health was the worst. And it's just like all those things, your body's talking to you 
and you're not resting. And then I had my best growth and less injury when I started working out four times a week and doing other stuff and actually resting and you're growing more. I know a lot of people that are training every day thinking, but you're overtraining. Your body needs rest. That's when it grows. And then of course you need food and the right stuff, but it's like too many people, same for business. Um, and one man that I heard his speech change a lot recently, uh, is Ed Milet. If you compare the head Milet that is like, go, 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 go. And now he's like, I realized that I need to be more like chill, like, like relax. I need to Good. enjoy my life. Like, and, and, and yeah. And this guy was like maxed out, you know, that's his brand. And he still has this masculine moment, but yeah. uh, he realized now growing, like now that he has everything, so many millions and stuff that, Dude, hey, I, I need feel to chill. Like all men's coaches, all entrepreneurs go that way where it's like they start go, 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 <laughs> and then they go to balance. Like um, Garrett J. White, too. He just added a big spirituality component. Oh, yeah. Wake up warrior. Uh, his is more religion based than spirituality based. Mm -hmm. But it's because he realized you can't just go, go, go all the time. And in these mm -hmm. men's groups that are more like warrior archetype, um, mm -hmm. are just burning their clients out big time. Um, yeah. They might be getting success, but they're not getting fulfillment. And then for yeah. you know, me, we learned the fucking hard lessons that it's the balance of both being able to be yeah. turned on and turned off. Uh, so yeah. we can just mm -hmm. optimize all areas of our life, not just. And, and it's funny because the, the, I think the only reason like I never, like I was never attached to life. Like I, I didn't want a suicide, but when I was in the depressed state, cause I don't f believe that you're deep in a depression, you're just in a depressed state and you can change your state. But mm -hmm. I was just asking myself, I'm like, I'm a hot guy. I'm smart. I, I got money. I got everything. Like why could people dream about this life? And that's, that's where I was like trying to analyze and now looking back, I realized that that's why I'm a good coach. Cause I went through all that, mm -hmm. but same for you, your years of depression on enough, like depressed state. Someday you're waking up amazing someday. And it's because you, you don't do what feels good. And that's the thing. Like you, like you said, you're burning out clients and you're burning out people mm -hmm. and everyone that I know that was a hundred percent business, uh, all my friends and stuff. Now I tell them, bro, chill, like, <laughs> be grateful um and, and they can have both i thought one quote that i lived by was mm -hmm. success love speed that was such yeah. bullshit <laughs> like now i say energy is my number one priority like i make far more money and i'm far more happier and i treat people far more mm -hmm. better Better, when yeah. I make energy my number one priority, how I'm yeah. feeling so my cup can overflow to others uh, <laughs> with That's those awesome. tools and everything. Yeah. Oh. So I want to finish the podcast on what would be an advice like you. It's often the question that people ask. It's like, what would be an advice that you would give to your younger self or an advice that you would give to people? Like we, we covered a lot of thing. Like what would be your number one thing that you would say? Hmm. I think we talked Hmm. We talked a lot about uh, a lot of the advice that I would give. Um, I'll leave your audience with this. Um, buy the book, uh, The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. 
he's one of the number one entrepreneurs that I look up to. Runs a billion. He's a billionaire, and he has a beautiful balance of um, spirituality and mm-hmm. relationships and his business. One quote that I love um, is from that book: "Is would I rather have this? Would I rather have this thought, or would I rather have peace?" Because we can't have true peace with thoughts in our head. Um, and I'm constantly asking myself that. Mm-hmm. And the more I just turn off my brain and allow the moment to just be, um, life has become way more beautiful <laughs> um, and way, I'm awesome. way more fulfilled. So my recommendation is, is get that book. Um, uh, the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I've read it over yeah. 40 times. So those three books, message me on DM and I'll put them in the caption so people can buy it. And is there a question that I didn't ask you that you would want to be asked? Hmm. Dude, I think we covered a lot and I'm yeah, just man. deeply appreciative <laughs> of this conversation. Deeply grateful to call you my friend. So I really awesome, bro. It, I'm happy that we connected. We'll stay in touch for sure. And um, tell people where they can find you, um, your social, your website, your stuff. And then we'll end the podcast on that note. I hope you guys add value into this. Yeah. Uh, just add me on Facebook or Instagram, Andrew Cruzy, K-R-O-E-Z-E. And you can just message me what you, your favorite thing about the podcast was or what stood out to you the most. I always love getting those messages. So, yeah, um, <laughs> awesome. E-Z-E, Facebook or Instagram. And your podcast is Master of Fate. And is it your website, too? Yep. Uh, Masters of Fate. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, probably the other ones, but Spotify is probably the best. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we took our website down for now. Uh, so we don't have one best place to learn more is just, uh, my Facebook or Instagram right now. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening guys. It was a pleasure to have you, Andrew. Thanks for the, the chat. It's been an hour, 10 minute. I never put a time limit. I just love to vibe with people that I invite on the podcast. It was such good information. You're a very smart guy and very well balanced. Now you're working on it and I appreciate you for doing the work that you're doing and guys, I will see you in another podcast. Have an amazing day.